John, strange moment. We were both there uh, late Sunday night at U.S. Bank Stadium. Kevin O'Connell is going through maybe his most embarrassing loss as a Vikings head coach. And outside the doors, down the hallway, we hear U.S. Bank Stadium workers counting down to the East Coast uh, New Year's Eve ball drop and screaming and, and screaming Happy New Year as O'Connell was in there just with a red face trying to explain how his team fell apart. <laughs> it, was, it was a very strange night. And guess what? It's still a very strange season. The Vikings still aren't out of it. They're going to Detroit on Sunday with at least theoretical playoff possibilities. Uh, but man, I, I, um, I was a little stunned by how badly Jaron Hall played and how badly the entire team played against the Packers in a meaningful game at home. What were your impressions? Hey, you wanted Jaron. You called for it. <laughs> Look what I happened. Did. And Look I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, no, it, I think that um, my takeaway from watching that debacle was that this is a team and really a franchise that has made culture, has made resilience such a part of its identity. And every coach talks about culture and all those things, but it certainly was something that Kevin O'Connell has preached. It's something that the Vikings believed would help hold down the fort in tough times for them. And to me, that after you saw a performance like that, and I know that they have injuries, and I know that they're missing a bunch of key guys, but I just came away saying a loss like that and a performance like that in a game with that was so important to the the way that this season was going to play out against a bitter rival that does force you to call into question if the culture that they are building that, that they had hoped was sinking in has truly sunk in because um, that team looked completely unprepared for this moment. They looked like they were completely outclassed by, let me like in, uh, emphasize this. I don't think the Packers are very good. I think they're an okay team, but not a team that should be absolutely destroying the Vikings on, you know, Sunday night football in front of the entire country watching. And so for a team to really kind of succumb to a mediocre team like the Packers, I think that's really troubling. And I think it's the kind of loss that causes a coach to look in the mirror and say, is what I'm doing, is it working? Because um, I don't want to be too reactionary and alarmist. I don't think it's like a fireable game or anything like that. But I do think it shakes the foundation of what Kevin O'Connell has tried to build here to, an, to a really significant degree. No doubt about it. It was a shocking performance. Uh, we'll start with the quarterbacks, but I also want to get to a hidden figure on this team who's caused a lot of problems simply not by not being around. Uh, so this is the Viking Update Show. We have a lot to talk about. Uh, we're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services Studios. Thanks to Aquarius Home Services. Thanks also to Twill and Dining Galleria, TSR Injury Law, and Tuttles, who, uh, who host so many of our live shows here at TalkNorth.com. Uh, we'll get into the, the Lions-Vikings matchup, but I think this is really a show where we're just going to break down what's gone wrong with the Vikings, even as they have dealt with so many injuries. Uh, thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton. 
And thanks to everyone who listens. Best way to listen to this show or any show at TalkNorth.com. Please subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's the easiest way to listen. And if you're interested in this show, you'll also be interested in Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider with the former Vikings general manager. All right. So before we get to the quarterbacks, I want to point out that we have gotten to a point in this season where this defense, which is predicated on pressure, that's the whole Brian Flores' philosophy, get to the quarterback before he can dissect your defense. And it's worked generally worked very well against young and inexperienced quarterbacks this year. Hasn't worked so well against more experienced quarterbacks. Uh, Jordan Love killed them on uh, Sunday night. Marcus Davenport's absence has been vital in this stretch. Uh, They shut out the Raiders. It looked like that they had adapted to uh, Flores' philosophy and that they were going to just be a dominant dominant unit the rest of the way. They have given up 90 points the last three games, uh, and they had no chance to stop the Packers. I think Marcus Davenport not being on the field for this team, not giving Daniil Hunter a bookend, not punishing teams who decided to assign two or three blockers to to Daniil Hunter, I think that is the first of the many dominoes that has hurt this defense. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, Jim. Like, I've practically forgotten that Marcus Davenport even plays for this team. Um, And so that has been clearly – and, you know, we talked about this – when they signed him, we talked about this in training camp. We talked about this early in the season. Uh, he His signing was a risk because um, he had an injury history. And so, you know, it, you, you didn't doubt the physical talent. And we did see it in the one or two games that he actually played where he was effective. And, um, and, and it did look like he had absolutely the talent that the Vikings needed at that spot, but he's just been gone for so long that it's almost like they never had him at all. And you're right though. They miss someone on the other side, you know, and DJ Wanham was giving them at least some production in that department before he was hurt. Um, But uh, they, they definitely miss another pass rushing disruptive presence on the defensive line opposite Daniil Hunter to free up blitzers to give them a, a chance to get home against a, an opposing quarterback because the the absolute key on that part of it Jim is, is that their defensive backs clearly are not NFL caliber right now and so if you cannot put pressure on the quarterback and speed up the process and make him throw inaccurately and, and before he wants to, you're going to get picked apart. And, you know, a Caleb Evans, you know, Makai Blackman may eventually be a good player, but he's just, he's not there yet. They do not have anybody, you know, with Byron Murphy out that can, that can cover uh, for any stretch of time. And so they're just going to get absolutely strafed down the field if you don't get home on the pass rush and they, the, the, the Vikings are not getting home or certainly did not get home enough on the pass rush against the Packers. And then they were just shredded for it. No doubt about it. And you know, with Davenport, not there to provide pressure. And as you said, this is where Lewis seen Booth. uh, This is where these players just their absence, their, inability to be functional NFL players is killing him. Right. And I also think, you know, I think you could have said mid season, uh, you know, Murphy's okay. 
You know, he's not yeah, a great right. player, but he's, he's okay. You know, nothing to get too excited about it. But the, the drop-off from a professional cornerback like Murphy to the people they're having to play right now is incredible. I and mean, they were playing – Jay Ward is like a third-string safety who's barely seen the field, and he was playing cornerback for them on Sunday night. That's just not going to work unless you are overwhelming the other team with your pass rush. Yep, just absolutely not going to work. Um, they're they, – it would be one thing if – you had young players in those positions that you knew were talented. They just needed seasoning. I think Blackman actually might be in yeah. that group, um, eventually develop into a good player, just need some experience and seasoning in there. But I, I mean, you, the bulk of the players that they are throwing out there, I don't think are, are, are in that boat. They're not guys that you say, man, they, they're right there. They just need a little technique work. They need to study the game a little bit more. And and they'll be fine. Like the the biggest play that Booth made in the game was at the end of the when the game was over, and he's tussling with the with the Packers dude. Um, you know, after the whistle, like like you don't ever feel their presence at all at any point in the game, and that's that's a problem. I mean, you know, Lewisine does not play at all on a defense that could use some of that help. And meanwhile, the player that the Vikings could have had looks like he's going to be a hall of famer right now. Yep. Kyle Hamilton looks unbelievable. Yep. And this is, again, this is not like hindsight is 2020 stuff. We were saying that on draft day yep. when that happened, like Kyle Hamilton's right there. Like he's, he, he is being lauded as the next great safety in the NFL. Like this is not, Oh, they they passed on Tom Brady and he got picked, you know, in the fifth in the sixth round and and becomes all of him. This is a guy that everyone was really high on, and you made a trade out of there and you picked up this uh, this this other player who like is not on the field, not even barely on special teams isn't on the field. So uh, those kinds of decisions are all adding up, and it's a talent issue as much as it is anything else right now, which makes the path forward even more daunting because. They have so many positions to fill on defense, on offense, that it's just like, how can you get it all done in one offseason? Yes, that will be the challenge. Uh, of course, again, having a pass rush mitigates some of that. Uh, Davenport's not going to be around next year, so they need another pass rusher as yep. well. And we don't even know for sure they're going to bring Daniel Hunter back or be able to bring him back. I certainly you know, think they need to, but you never know how that's going to work out. All right, let's uh, – we're going to get back to the defense and matchups and everything else. And, of course, my uh, my my crush on Michael Penix has not uh, diminished at all in the last couple of months since I started saying I'd love to see him with the Vikings at some point. But let's get to the quarterbacks. Uh, we have to. I'm sorry. I apologize. But we're going to have to talk about the quarterbacks. Uh, first, though, we want to let you know that we, uh, we greatly appreciate coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services studios. Here's more about Aquarius Home Services. Scott for Aquarius, wishing you a happy new year. And happy, how can we be only halfway through winter? Want some good news? Now is the time to replace your old furnace and AC with a new high-efficiency whole home heating and cooling system. Because at Aquarius, you can install it now and not pay a penny until next year. Visit AquariusHomeServices.com and schedule your free estimate today. Financing offers subject to available credit. Aquarius. Earning the right to be recommended. Tuttle's is your Vikings headquarters for the best football party. They have great game day specials on Miller Lite and Coors Light Tap Beer. Tall stadium cups for just five bucks. 
plus $5 food specials, including brats, hot dogs, jumbo sloppy joes, and pulled pork sandwiches. If pizza's your thing, get 5 bucks off any large pizza. Tuttle's has cool game day giveaways, too, including a free number board with your chance to win a $100 gift card. Take in all the Viking game food, fun, and festivities at Tuttle's. Tuttle's Bar and Grill in Hopkins. Go Vikes! Thanks also to Twill in the Dyna Galleria, twillmn.com. Uh, I continue to go there. I continue to buy all my clothes there. I've mentioned Stenstrom's dress shirts, Peter Millar's, uh, both casual and nice clothing, some of the great shoes I've bought there. I just want to remind you that Johnny O is kind of one of those cool, out-of-the-way brands you won't find everywhere, but you'll find it everywhere in the in the Twill shop. They basically have a corner set up for it, and might be one of the best combinations of nice looking, dressy, yet casual stuff you can find, uh, you know, slacks, uh, shirts, golf shirts, uh, kind of that new fabric that almost feels like athletic wear, but it looks like a dress shirt. Highly recommend going to Twill and the Dining Galleria and going to the Johnny O Corner and checking out all their stuff. And while you're there, you'll figure out they have eight other brands you would like to check out as well. So go twillmn.com is the website. But I highly recommend going there for the in-person experience, dealing with their great, knowledgeable, friendly staff members. Uh, thanks also to TSR Injury Law. They've been sponsoring a number of shows across the network, including the John Krasinski Show on the Timberwolves. 612-TSR-TIME. All you need to know is that. 612-TSR-TIME. If you're ever injured, call that number. They will give you help. If they can't help you, they will send you in the right direction. And if they do take your case, they won't charge you unless they win your case, and they win a lot of cases. 612-TSR-TIME. All right, let's get to the quarterbacks. I admit that I was wrong about Jaron Hall. I'm also very confused as to why I was so wrong, because Jaron Hall, the first time he walked onto an NFL field for a regular season game, was playing a team in contention that had been playing well on defense in Atlanta, uh, on the road, and he was efficient. I know it was just 10 passes or whatever, but he had 10 passes, two runs. He led them on a long drive. He found Alexander Madison down the right sideline on a play that took some some patience and some, some savvy. Uh, he threw accurately. He ran intelligently. And if it hadn't been for a concussion, he might have led him right into the end zone on that first drive. I don't know how you go from – looking very promising at least in that drive to coming out much later in the season and looking like you'd never played football before. It, it was, it was really surprising, Jim. And yeah, and uh, you know, I, I can kind of make fun of you a little bit for, for saying you wanted Jaron, but like I, you, we talked about it last week. I was totally open to the idea of starting Jaron Hall and then having Mullins as your safety blanket, if it didn't go well, because you can't throw all the interceptions that Nick Mullins threw and then, expect to continue to start in games that matter. And so I understand why Kevin O'Connell went to Jaron Hall, but it turns out it was the, it was just the best bad idea that was available for him because he looked completely overwhelmed, completely overwhelmed in the moment. And you know, you and I both talked to him after the game. He was, you know, he stood up and was uh, forthright and said that he didn't give them uh, the chance to win. Uh, that 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 they needed, and so uh, he kind of took his medicine that way. But I, he looked again completely unprepared for the moment. And when I think about the tone that Kevin O'Connell used in his post game remarks, 
I, you know, and really turning a lot of the attention on himself that way, it was hard to argue because when you have a quarterback that looks that unprepared, that's, I think, a reflection on the whole operation, on what he's being asked to do, on, on, on the prep that was happening going into the game, and on the execution that happens in the moment. And it, but it, the thing is, is that it wasn't just Jaron Hall. Like Nick Mullins didn't look any better. Like, uh, you, you know, he looked terrible when he came out in the second half. Um, and, and so what is going on? And I asked Kevin O'Connell about this in the press conference, just like since the halftime of the saints game, when that's when the Josh Dobbs, you know, kind of dream started to die. Kevin O'Connell has not been able to get anything out of any of his quarterbacks, you know, since that time. And that's a long time ago now. So you have, we have to wonder about what is, what is going on there that is preventing the timber or the, the Timberwolves, the, the Vikings from getting uh, any kind of requisite quarterback play. And look, Hall is a rookie fifth round pick. So I was not expecting him to light the world on fire, but I certainly wasn't expecting Mullins and Hall together to and and really to throw Dobbs in in the regression that he had in those weeks before he got benched to look completely inept like that. That does that defies explanation as well, I think. Yeah. And you do wonder if O'Connell is running such a complicated offense that it takes someone of Cousins experience, intelligence, and studiousness to crack the code because Dobbs played his best when they weren't giving him the full playbook. And as soon as they gave him the full playbook, he collapsed. And that that's a little worrisome. Yeah, it is. And and that's so I wrote about this after the game. And you know, I said, look, I don't see any other real option for next season than to bring Kirk Cousins back partly because there's not a free agent quarterback out there that you feel is any better than cousins. And secondly, one thing that cousins has shown is he has the ability to process what Kevin O'Connell wants offensively and to put it into practice and be effective doing it. He's the only quarterback that we have seen have that success under uh, Kevin O'Connell in Minnesota. And so even for the many Vikings fans who want them to just start over and draft a quarterback and go that way, are we confident that if, let's say, the, the Vikings pick 11th in the draft coming up, are we confident that if they pick a player, a quarterback at 11, that Kevin O'Connell can have him ready to play and ready to master this apparently very complex offense by week one with Justin Jefferson as the receiver. Like to me, the path forward is you bring cousins back for a year or two, you draft a quarterback and let him sit and watch and absorb and learn for a year or two. And then you put that guy out there because um, I don't, I have not seen any evidence that there's any option out there that would allow the Vikings to remain competitive and um, and still, you know, de- and deploy a different quarterback than Kirk Cousins right now. I just can't see that coming to fruition. 
No, and I think everything's groove for Cousins to come back, in part because you can get a quarterback who's had success in the system, uh, who I think has really emerged as a leader and a more more personable uh, figure in the organization ever since the departure of Zimmer. And you can structure it, as I've talked to Jeff Diamond about, you can structure his contract in a way that actually helps you against the salary cap as you're trying to bring back sign Jefferson and Daniil Hunter and probably Darisaw. Uh, and you're going to need somebody who's going to give you flexibility. Uh, my dream scenario, I don't know if it's even possible, but my dream scenario ever since Kirk got hurt was bring Kirk back on like a two-year deal with some voidable years that help you against the cap and draft Michael Penix, uh, who uh, unfortunately is no longer any even close to being a secret the way he's playing. Uh, I, I loved him, you know, all year. Uh, I don't know if it's possible, man. If you could, if you could bring back Cousins on a financially beneficial deal and draft Penix, who might end up being the next Tua, uh, then you're set for ten years at the position. Man, I mean, I, I watched him, you know, on New Year's Day in that game against Texas. And I, you know, I've watched highlights of him this season, but that was really like the first full game that I've watched. And some of the throws that he makes down the field, they're remarkable. Like the the accuracy. And I know like, I think he's a 66% passer this year, which in college football is not like ultra accurate, but he's chucking that thing down the field, man. Like he's not throwing little swing passes and and bubble screens. And the accuracy with which he flings that thing, it's beautiful. And so I would be all for that. I would be all for some, you know, uh, some kind of succession plan like that. Because one thing about the negotiations with Kirk Cousins is you can say, hey, look, Kirk, you're coming off of an Achilles injury. All right. And you're 36, you're going to be 36 years old in August. Like, you have to, if you want to be here, which I believe he does. I think Kirk yeah. wants to stay here. I think he wants to keep his family here. I think all of that. Like, we need you to to understand that we're not going to give you $200 million guaranteed. Like, that's just not where you're at in your career, which with where the Vikings are at in their in our in the development of the team. Um that's not the path forward. And so if you want that long-term big money deal, you're going to have to go elsewhere to get it. But if he can take a short-term deal and be amenable to helping a young quarterback learn the system, figure things out, and be ready in a year or two to take over for him, I think it would be a nice real bow to tie on the end of Kirk Cousins career um, and maybe at 38 years old or so he's he's saying okay I'm gonna walk away instead of limp away from this league and um, and turn over the reins that would be ideal for the Vikings and if it's Penix I don't know if it's JJ McCarthy whoever it is um, that that has to feel like it should be the priority going forward for this franchise Yes, uh, no doubt about it. All right, let's get to this matchup. It, believe it or not, it is a playoff game in ways. If the Vikings beat the Lions and Chicago beats the Packers and Arizona beats the Seahawks and then either New Orleans or Tampa Bay loses, the Vikings are in the playoffs. Yes, it's an incredibly long shot. It's been such a strange season. I wouldn't just wouldn't be that surprised if it happened if these weird stuff is happening. Uh, one of the impediments to this is that the Lions are still playing for something and they are going to play their starters and they're playing at home and they're better than the Vikings are and they're healthier than the Vikings are. Uh, 
do you see any hope? Let's just take the first of the many steps that has to happen. Do you see any hope of the for the Vikings winning on Sunday? I mean, I, I don't see how you can have any after the performance that we saw against Green Bay. Uh, Detroit is a markedly better team than Green Bay. They are playing at home. Um, the only hope, I guess, is that the Vikings are on the road uh, for this because they were two and six at home this year, which is like for for the Vikings, Jim, for the Vikings to be two and six at home. I mean, that's unconscionable. We never see that from from this team. And so maybe getting out on the road gives them a little bit better of a chance. But with their all, all their uncertainty at quarterback, with the injuries that they have, with just the seemingly dazed look in their eyes right now, I can't see any way that they beat the Lions, which is probably why they'll go there and win. I mean, that's how crazy the NFL is. But um, but I have no logic to apply to this that says the Vikings are going to go in there and win that game. No, I think we've just taken care of the pick segment of this uh, week. I think we're both going to pick, pick the Lions. Uh, bigger picture, the division is fascinating right now. The Lions finally broke through and won the division and won it going away. And they're not losing any seniors off that team. I think they're going to have most of their key players back. They seem to be headed in the right direction. The Bears, after many, I won't say many of us, after I wrote them off early season, just a bad organization, they're playing a lot better. Fields is playing a lot better. um, And they have high draft picks coming in. They seem to be figuring some things out. Uh, That team suddenly looks dangerous, even if they, whether they take Fields and use the you know, use the uh, picks to take Marvin Harrison and somebody else, or whether they trade fields and then and then have a massive amount of uh, stuff they can they can draft in this this upcoming spring. They suddenly look kind of dangerous. The Packers are not good, as you said, but they have one of the youngest rosters in the NFL. Definitely have one of the youngest groups of skill position players in the NFL. They're they're dangerous. All of a sudden. I think you could say that every team in this division has you know, a very interesting future. And then you have the Vikings who they're all, man, we don't, we aren't sure they're getting, bringing cousins back. We aren't sure they're bringing Daniel Hunter back and the rest of the roster isn't that good. So you could, you could make a case. The Vikings have the worst situation of the four teams right now. I, I think you, you very well could. I, I, I will. My, my, read on the bears is that I think it's been this little surge that they've had is actually going to be long-term good for the Vikings, because I think that's going to convince them to stay the course with Eberflus as the coach with polls as the GM and with fields as the quarterback. And I think those three guys together have a very low ceiling on their team. And so that's going to help the Vikings maybe stay out of the basement because I, I do think that all three of them will regress going forward and they'll just kind of be stuck um, if they, if they stick, if they stick status quo with all of that. But it's when you look at the just talent on the rosters, top to bottom, um, the Vikings have real problems right now. Um, You know, because a lot of their talent, they have to figure out how to pay Hunter, Derrissaw, Jefferson, like all the a lot of these guys have to get paid and um uh, and then they have so many other holes to fill around them that I think that it's fair to say that the Vikings are in the most precarious position right now of any of the teams in this division. Quasi Adolfo Mensa has an enormous 
offseason coming for him. He has not done enough from a depth of talent standpoint on this roster to position this team to be better in the long haul. Um, so he has to hit on draft picks and free agent signings and trades or whatever it is this winter into spring or else you're right. I think that this team can absolutely fall into the basement in the NFC North and be there for a little while. And so I don't think it's alarmist to look at where this team is right now, to look at the talent on it and all of the work that needs to happen going forward into the season, into this off season and say that, man, um, they have more work to do than any other team in this division. And that's, that's a bad situation to be in because the other thing is, is that I think the Detroit lions are establishing themselves as a team. That's going to be really good for a long time because they have great leadership. They have um, a really good GM, a really good coach, and they'll figure things out along the way. They are getting the benefit of the doubt from me. The Packers, they, they, they just find a way all the time. And if Jordan Love has really kind of, if the light bulb has come on, they're going to be in good shape. Um, but the Vikings don't have that clear path. And they, their one star is Justin Jefferson. And they need so much more help that um, we're staring at the possibilities of like a little bit of a dark period here in the organization, unless some major things happen to, to go their way in the next four or five months. So I'll be in Detroit on Sunday. We'll talk about the end of the season, maybe next week, if we're not setting up a playoff game, uh, it, it, it's, they're in a fascinating position right now, not necessarily fascinating in a good way, but they are in a fascinating position right now. I've had so many Viking fans in my life. Tell me almost the entire season, Oh, why don't they just tank? You know, just and, and we're not yeah. going to get into a big tanking discussion here. But I, I don't know that I have been around this organization at a point exactly like this, where a team is in playoff contention and and really the fan base, at least the fan base, the realistic portion of the fan base, just doesn't seem to care very much. Yeah, it's uh, I. There is a little bit of apathy setting in for sure, which is troubling. Like that's what you don't want, and. Uh, but I do think that the fans are smart in understanding that even if this team somehow backs into the playoffs, they don't have a chance. Like, they're not going anywhere. And so there is an aimless feel to where this franchise is at right now. Like, how do they get to the other side of it and and come out and and, and to a place where you feel like, okay, they are going to be contending for the NFC North championship and, or, or is, you know, because so far what we've seen and what is contributing to that aimlessness is that the Wilfs and the Vikings organization in general has absolutely resisted any sort of temptation to do a complete teardown and rebuild. And, and so it looks like this is going to continue going forward with um, trying to remain competitive and scratch and claw your way into position to get into the playoffs and then kind of like hope that you get a right matchup and you can win a game and go deeper. 
Um, and, and so that's what this team historically has been. And now I don't see that changing in, in the near future, because if that changes to a teardown rebuild, then you got to look at trading, trading Justin Jefferson, one of the very best players in the entire league. And so that's, that's an option that I don't think the Vikings are going to take, nor you know probably should they. But right now, it's hard to see the pathway out of this middle-of-the-road team that just hopes and prays that you win a bunch of close games and, and, um, and things fall your way. We'll be talking about it. Whatever happens, uh, might be talking about the draft as early as next week. Thanks. To everyone who listens to TalkNorth.com and the Viking Update show, again, check out John on the John Krasinski show on the Timberwolves, a team that actually seems to know where it's going. And uh, thanks again. We'll talk to you next week.